Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode from Equality in Business, our podcast to create awareness about equality in the business world by actively engaging students about relevant topics in a professional manner. Since our club is celebrating its first anniversary, today we will have a very special episode. Reflecting the main goal of our club, we decided the perfect way to commemorate this date was to promote the discussion even further by hosting a debate where students come together to share their opinions, their experiences and insights. The topic of the dialogue today will be diversity and inclusion in education and for that we are very happy to have with us Daniela, Valeria and Tala. In this episode we'll be exploring the students' perceptions of how the educational system currently copes with diversity, what kind of actions are employed to address the topic in the classroom and whether or not those are enough to create a truly inclusive structure that can allow not only the, for the proper integration of all students, but also prepares them to cope with the work environment. The goal of today's roundtable is to hear ideas from students themselves, how they would like diversity and inclusion to be included in their education. Moderating the debate, we have Delia Mentitieri. Delia is a trainer and coach for self-leadership, psychological safety and inclusion. Besides that, she also works as a researcher and lecturer for different universities. She's currently pursuing a PhD on diversity and inclusion and the role of identity. As inclusion is often addressed as a policy issue, Dali strongly believes that inclusive action has to start with each one of us and in our everyday lives. So welcome everybody. Um, I'm really happy that I can be here as a moderator. What I actually want to do as a kickoff is just to ask a really open question. And that is, when did you start realizing that you were not like everybody else? Or when you started realizing that everyone is not like you? Okay. Well, like for me, like it was, I think... Uh since the very beginning since like uh, I was born in Italy and raised in Italy but like my parents uh, are from Peru so like uh, I was like different uh, like I felt uh, Italian of course but at the same time I knew that I didn't look exactly like the others and also that maybe I like, had different traditions and also like I could speak like a different language so yeah like since the very beginning I would say <laughs> cool uh-huh. yes. Uh, I would say that uh, I have never faced, uh, like in my childhood, I never felt uh, racial diversity because that is not uh, really present in India. But uh, I saw a lot of diversity on the basis of religion and their caste under the religion. And also India is a really big country. And I was, uh, my father was in Air Force and I used to live on the campus. Uh, so I used to see people from all regions of India. And I think I'm very thankful for that because if you are not in an Air Force life, if you are in a region, then you just see the people from your region. Uh, but I was on campus, so for me, uh, the that was the natural way of life. Mm-hmm. And Daniela, for me, was it? It was um, in primary school when I first realized that there were different groups. I think I I counted myself um, more to yeah in the dominant group, but I went to a school with uh, where children fifty percent of my classmates um, they had what's called a, a migration background, which means their parents um, came to Germany mostly from Turkey to work, and uh, yeah, fifty percent of my classmates uh, had this background, and that really um, was really interesting for me to see because then I was first um, yeah 
in touch with differences culturally, religion, um, etc. Um, and that was yeah the first moment for me. Okay, thank you all for sharing. It's already cool to see the diversity actually in answers <laughs> on someone from the beginning, someone really on campus because of his father being in the Air Force and then you just in primary school. So that's actually what we're going to do today. So what we're going to do today is actually to see, okay, we're all now in quite a unique setting, which is the university, which is unique because for the first time we're actually being confronted with all these people from different background, um, going all these different directions in life. And what are the challenges with that? And what are actually the benefits? Um, and how we're going to proceed today is actually um, going from, okay, what does a school need to really go for this welcoming environment? And what do you see? What do you experience that's at your school? Really, okay, how do you feel this? How do you experience this? So it's just an open conversation again. Um, so I'm also looking forward to your input. Um, I think it would be really valuable to me. So um, I have your question. Um, and it's, if you're looking at the university at the moment, how do you think it's signaling at the moment that everyone is welcome? What do you see? Yeah, I think that like everybody like uh, is welcome in, in the university. Like there are a lot of different nationalities. Although like are some kind of nationalities that are like more present than others, but at the same time, like I think that they always try to like mix us. For example, like when we have to do group projects, uh, like sometimes we make like the rule that uh, like in the group that has to be like people from different nationalities, people that did not do the same uh, like bachelor school. And I think that it's really nice because like we all aim to like have an international career. And like, I think that it's really important to like start to work with people that have different backgrounds because like uh, mm, different cultures mean like different kind of perspective of the world. Uh, and it's always like enriching, sometimes difficult, but like I think that uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's important to do it like since the very beginning. I agree. And um, one point that they are, that Catholica is also doing um, very well is with mixing up the groups is to make sure that English is the, the language spoken in the classrooms. So um, that there are also no side conversations that are quickly done in Portuguese or any other language that the student has in common with the professor. I think that's that's really important to make sure that everyone feels included and feels like he or she can participate in the conversations if he or she wants to. And uh, I also think that uh, having exchange program uh, also ensures that uh, we have more diversity and we have people from different countries. I, I wanted to share that uh, I had just recently received the Catholica passport, which was apparently handed out on the first day, but I, I missed it. It wasn't in the in the in this goodie bag he received. And uh, there, um, the Masters Affairs Office had uh, put together um, a set of lists or challenges, which was essentially to find as many people from different uh, nationalities as possible. And uh, this is, yeah, as an icebreaker in the beginning, great, because people look for people that are similar. The first hint is the language. Um, hey, where are you from? Oh, you're German, let's speak German. But with this passport, everyone had a physical reminder of going out there and trying to speak to someone who's not, in my case, German or uh, from a different nationality. I'm going to remember that initiative. 
But actually what I'm hearing um, that's what Catholica is actually doing most of the time is just, okay, we're creating an environment where we're just with people with different backgrounds. And then I'm just wondering what happens then. Valeria uh, already said to me, okay, and then it's sometimes difficult. So what was the difficult part about it? Yeah, like sometimes like uh, we have kind of different approach to work, we can say. So like we can view like uh, a certain project like in a different way. Like maybe sometimes like, you know, like somebody is uh, thinking about a really like out of the box uh, and others like are more like, I don't know, kind of regular. And so like uh, it's difficult sometimes to try like to find a middle way. And um, and also, yeah, like in general, like uh, the approach to the work, like there are people, but I think it's also like, I also like attended a course of international negotiation where like we learn a lot about different, how to like negotiate, but also like talk with different cultures. And it's true that like there are cultures that are more like um, speak more clearly. So like they like just say whatever they like they think about. Uh, and like in, I think that in group projects, it's really important to communicate. Like communication is everything. And but I think that sometimes for other cultures is like they prefer not to like share all their feelings. So like sometimes it was difficult to understand like what they really think about it. And so like it was difficult maybe to like see, uh, okay, like maybe you don't agree, but like, uh, can you explain me why or like share your idea? So yeah, this type of things. <laughs> Talan, Daniela, is this something that resonates with you? Uh, of course, uh, also we see a lot of like, uh, difference in approach uh, sometimes difficulties can arise at the very beginning of the project because there would be someone to really play on the deadline who would like to do work on the last days and then there would be someone who wants to have a buffer before submission so that is the first point uh, that you have to agree about like when to start the work and from then uh, till the end uh, you have to you have to discuss but a uh, good thing is that you have two months and i think that uh, as the time passes uh, you kind of understand each other better and then you actually like then it comes then it becomes easy to come at a consensus so i, I do share a similar experience and um not only in, in terms of nationality but um also um in terms of um yeah experiences that everyone um Gain. So uh, I just followed the cross-cultural management course and we learned about deep level and surface diversity. Um, and uh, one of them is that uh, surface diversity is what you can see in one glance and deep level is what you don't see, but you need to experience it. And one of the deep level uh, diversity aspects is experience. So for some people that have previously uh, worked or have work experience, you see that, um, yeah, that expectations of meetings are differently. The way of communicating is really shaped by what they have experienced before. And uh, that is not always yeah, visible. So you go into a meeting and you assume someone is like that because he or she is from a country, but uh, there is so much more to it that uh, it might surprise you uh, throughout the project uh, that can come up within those two months that you're working together. I'm really happy that you brought up uh, this, uh, this distinction, Daniela, because I was actually just going to say it. Everything that I'm hearing now that you're saying the difficulties are not being linked to nationality or um, the gender or whatever um, first-hand diversity there is. But what I'm hearing is most on the deep level of diversity, like someone wants to do it on the deadline, someone likes to take it more on the easy side. 
Um, and how do you handle this? And that's a bit, I think, the interesting part about um, diversity is that it's such a broad topic. Um, it's actually just to to go over this, um, to go a bit more deep. Um, if you're looking at just, let's say, the professor interactions with the students, how do you see there that they're actually valuing all this diversity in, um, in the classroom? I, like, I just tried to think like about my different classes because like uh, all of them were quite different. But like, I think that, um, like for example, the class, like my class that was more interactive between everybody, uh, all of them, was uh, the one of international negotiation, and it was uh, really, really interactive because like uh, it was continuing like change of ideas. It was not just like a, a theory. She was always like asking questions and make us like reply, and also like uh, for as I said before, for every group project, it was important like to be like different females, males, and different nationalities. And like uh, we had like to brought like a project that um, have like to have an international like factor and like for the other project that I did it was the only one that like had this thing because like we had to brought like something even more international so like uh, she was always like try to like also joke with us like about our in like differences about cultures like they always say like yeah like portuguese for example are late and like one time also like she was late and she said oh i'm sorry but like sometimes it can happen for example and like she was also like telling about her experiences like with different cultures so so she was sharing it like when she was i don't know like traveling going to different countries and uh, but like i think that yeah like at the end she was always like interacting with us like in the same like same way like she was not like having different behaviors like with us, like uh, she was treating all of us equally, kind of. I have also seen that, uh, like, uh, uh, I've also felt that uh, equality has always been shown from the side of the professor, uh, as well as uh, I think that uh, outside the classroom, sometimes like uh, students might uh, mingle up together uh, from like, uh, from similar origin, but inside the classroom, uh, I think there's uh, this, uh, Catholic culture that promotes uh, to to go and like uh, to make sure that uh, you 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 just you you don't like stay in a bubble and you interact with uh, people from all different backgrounds. I the university where I did my uh, bachelor's degree was in the in the Netherlands and um, there they have a bit of a different teaching approach. Um, it's called problem based learning. And it's essentially um, small meeting groups of um, 12 people, roughly, uh, where there is a, um, a tutor present. So that could be a master student, um, not necessarily a professor. And there you discuss cases. So there you have a lot of interaction and it's very non-hierarchical also towards the tutor. Um, whereas at Catholica, I do feel like it's um, a lot of one-way communication, um, a professor asking and a student replying. And I do, um, I have seen situations where um, critical questions were also, yeah, it didn't fall right with the professor. And I think that's something that me having studied in a Dutch environment, I had to learn this. Um, Portu in Portugal, um, the power distance is quite high. Um, I had to learn not to address every professor by first name. 
um, directly and that not everyone likes to be critically questioned. Um, but I do think that that's something that I need to learn. There is not only a learning from the professor's side, but also from my side that I need to adjust to, um, to culture too. Okay, I will actually go further on the point that Dalam just mentioned, um, which is that we see actually inside the classroom, I see really that everyone is going for equality, but outside the classroom, we see something else um, where people are actually grouping together based on nationality or language, I suppose. Um, so I don't know if we can have a short discussion about what's happening outside the classroom as well. Uh, I think uh, there is an uh, also uh, article by Herring Smith, uh, 2012, where they discussed uh, about a concept of uh, idea of comfortable consensus. So even if there's a diversity, it does not uh, mean that there would be uh, inclusion uh, as well. Uh, so so you have to take uh, necessary actions to force uh, inclusion, even when in in the presence of diversity. And those factors sometimes are not present when you are outside the campus, and then uh, I think it's a, it's just a natural feeling to be around people who are similar to you or like th they can create that zone of comfortable consensus. Yes, I really think the same. I think that like uh, outside of the class, like people always like also like when I'm abroad, like they always try to stay with people of the same nationalities or, or like that are similar to them, maybe because it's easier just like to communicate in the same language. And uh, like sometimes you can really see that there are kind of like distinctions and um but i think it really really depends also from like the person and then like uh, it's not always the case because like there are person that prefers in general to just interact with everybody also like people from different nationalities but you can really feel that like sometimes the majority of the people just tend to stay like uh, like for example in catholic of course like the two big groups are portuguese and like uh, germans <laughs> so like uh, you can really see that like portuguese people like maybe know them like each other since like before and they always try like to stick together and german people do the same but i think that like every time that i went abroad i always experienced these i always saw like people from same nationalities stay together and sometimes not really integrating with others but i think it also really depends from the person I'm not 100% sure what to do about it. I, I see the same tendencies and I'm always trying to make an effort to reach out to people that are not of my same nationality. But I also see that I, I'm looking for some similarity to then start a conversation based on that. And um, I'm not sure if you guys have any tips or tricks how you've done it, but I think that's ev if everyone at least realizes that this is something that is happening and not yeah necessarily desirable uh, we could already make a make a big step into a more yeah diverse friends group also outside of uh, university uh yeah so uh, i was saying uh, also that uh, uh, as daniela said that uh, how you counter this problem so uh, i think that uh, the problem uh, uh, to like counter this the onus of the problem actually the lies uh, on the minority because i think uh, uh, something that is funny in German will always be funny in German. You cannot translate that joke. So there is, I think it's a natural feeling for a, for a group of Germans or Portuguese at Catholica to stay together. Uh, but if you, who is not belonging to the majority section, if you go and go to the group, group, uh, I think you would never see like any kind of uh, hesitant. Would quickly uh, change the language to English and 
So I think the onus uh, of this thing lies on the someone from the minority group to go and join them. Uh, it's because the other people are not going to join you because they're already having a good time or they're already comfortable. Yes, I agree. Like I think that there is like not really like a, a solution for this. I think it has like has to come from people themselves. So like uh, I don't see like how like like you can you could change like the mentality kind of of the people. So it's just like them like to have these like pretty speed. How do you say it? Okay, like uh, to like try to come also to the other. But I also like agree with yeah. Them. Can I ask an open question? You are all framing this as a problem. Um, can I ask you why? Why do we have to find a solution? And why is this a problem? There's so much to gain from like talking to other nationalities. We have so much to learn from each other. I think that's why why I see it as a as a problem because the people that only stick to Germans, um, they're missing out. I, that's what I think. Like bringing a new perspective to things, bringing a new perspective to the fact that three minutes late isn't three minutes late for some people. Something that's something people make fun of me for when I apologize for arriving three minutes late, three minutes past the minute past the time we arranged. Um, I, I'm, I have to to learn that, and I can learn it, and I benefit benefit from it in the end. That's why, yeah, I don't know why I would frame it as a as a problem. Uh, also, uh, I think that uh, it's not only your own growth, or you realize that uh, there are people uh, different from you. But if you interact with other group, you also realize your own uniqueness, and you realize that uh, you are also like one of a kind, or or at least like. Uh, a member of a group that is one of a kind in this world. So you realize your own uniqueness as well. Yeah, I completely agree because like, uh, I think it's like you're missing kind of an opportunity because like uh, you also go abroad because you want to meet people from different like backgrounds. So like if you like don't try like to mix or something, you can like lose opportunity to maybe like meet people that are super like, com like I don't know, share your same interests and everything, but like are just like, from different countries or just like having different backgrounds and everything. So like, it's just more like kind of losing opportunities, I think, yes. I'm just thinking, because it's really interesting um, what you're all saying is mostly it's it's a pity um, because it's you miss an opportunity. This is actually also what I'm hearing as well. This is one of the reasons why we chose to go to a university abroad. Uh, and is it then a feeling that you all have like, oh, I'm going abroad, but I'm still lacking a bit these international experiences due to this fact. Um, so I, I do invest more specifically and strategically also in, in friendships um, that are with, with non-Germans. But I also have caught myself thinking like, oh, do I really want to be friends with, with her? She's German. I don't want to have German friends, which is stupid because uh, those people are like the people I've met, they're great people. But it's just making sure to reflect um, on your friend circle and on the people that you meet and not just simply because you can't switch over to your native language decide not to be friends with someone or not to grab a coffee or have lunch or work in a pro group project together i think uh, i try to personally really reflect on it and um and do that so funny story uh, i don't like uh, 
for me it's not a desire or want it's just the need uh, so far i have not met uh, any other indian so i don't think that uh, <laughs> i face that problem right now at catholica <laughs> yeah but uh, that also makes me realize that uh, maybe uh, that uh, at one point uh, you embrace diversity but uh, also there's uh, uh, as daniela said that uh, she's trying to like not be with germans but uh, there are few things that uh, like uh, there are few indian festivals and the or that uh, yeah there's no way for me to celebrate them now so and that is like now i realize the value of those things more yes like same for me like uh, sometimes i think just like about try not to stay like with italians for example and like every time that like i see like i hear somebody speaking italian it just like okay no no <laughs> like just like go to another direction but like it's like also like super stupid because like maybe i can meet also like some amazing people it's just that i was always like trying not to like just conform kind of so that's what like in my head is like okay yeah they're nice and everything but i also want like not just to be blocked kind of with them because i know that like with the group uh, is gonna like be just uh, them like wanting to stay just between ourselves but i think that it was also like stupid sometimes because yeah <laughs> like you should like have both like both proportionately i think that's like the best uh, solution <laughs> Uh, I really like that you're talking about actually all of you a bit about the balance like okay on one hand I really value now for instance what Alan is saying this part of my culture that I now don't encounter and on the other one and you have still that attraction with Germans and Italians because you hear it like oh and then you actually have to make the effort to say oh god no <laughs> push it away um, and I think that's about inclusion and that's a difficulty about it it's that it's all about effort and it also confronts you with a lot of questions and these are questions that are not nice to have like for instance it's if what i'm saying now is that racist am i being erased at the moment oh god did i say something sexist at the moment was this actually okay or oh no she's german i'm german too maybe now i should just start to talking in english so i don't I show to other ones I don't belong there. So these are really difficult questions. And I'm just wondering, um, are these questions that you feel I can talk about it openly in where I am now at Catholica? Is there a space to discuss these difficult questions? I would say no. I, um, I, I feel like, as uh, Valeria said, we joke about the differences. But there's uh, not necessarily um, a forum or um, a facilitation for talking about these difficult questions. Um, and I, I do see the questions that you named back for me as well. Just before the podcast, um, I googled how I can say people that have handicaps have in, in the politically correct way, because it's something I don't deal with every day. And I know that handicapped people is not the proper way to say it. So it's different abilities. I know this now, but just that I had to Google it was so confronting to me um, that I do think there should be a, a space. And if it's not for diversity, um, maybe that's room for a student club to bring it to the, to the students. I also feel that uh... I think that uh, it's surprising to me and probably Catholica has it. Maybe I don't know about it, but I think uh, there should be uh, some person or or like some therapist or 
or someone like if some student feel the need to go to them or uh, they should like before this uh, i was uh, in rehau and there we had like uh, if we feel some problem we can go to uh, there's a there's a person uh, who there's a therapist working within the college for the college and i think uh, in these days uh, every college should uh, have it uh, it's not that the problems you are facing sometimes problem can be uh, really uh, really severe like with uh, black lives matter and and like things happening against black in us or sometimes you see uh, if you are a malaysian in germany and then you see uh, that uh, how rohingya muslims were being massacred there uh, it can lead you to anxiety and depression uh, what is happening with your community uh, there's a uh, these days a psychologist have also coined a new term i think uh, ethnocultural uh, allodynia so this is like for the same thing that uh, these are about extreme emotional impacts uh, and i think uh, college should have those yes like i completely agree like with both of them and like also like as daniela said i think that also maybe like having like a club about it it could be also like a really great idea because like sometimes like i feel that i have this thinking like these thoughts inside and like i just like i don't know, talk about like with a friend about them and i realize that like also she or he like is sharing my same like feelings and same emotion and same like uh, going from the same situation so like uh, it's it's not just me so like maybe like if like there will be something like a place or like where like we can speak about these type of things um we can meet also other people that are feeling the same way as us mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the clue for inclusion and it's people always ask me okay what's the magic recipe i'm like there is no magic recipe the magic recipe if you really want that everyone feels included is that you start having difficult conversations but also create a space and that's okay um and one of the exercises i for instance do a lot is it's a listening exercise it's a really stupid exercise but it's really hard it's one person talks for 10 minutes about something that really touches them and the other person just listens but listening and not thinking so not trying to intervene not doing anything and it's so hard for not trying to oh wait i know this i can help you with this oh please i, I can help you with this and this and that's not the clue the clue is literally just take a step back and just creating a space between students just or between your friends just to be able to listen to each other without any prejudice without any biases that you have inside your head because i think that's the clue that's something that we have to learn um, we all learned how to speak we all learn how to communicate if we focus on this path that actually listening is super important too Yes, I agree. And it's really funny because like I did like a workshop, like uh, it's called uh, like acting for executives. And like in that workshop, like one of the things that we had to do was like we were like divided in breakout rooms and like we like had to share a story about like a difficult moment, but it could also be like something really stupid, but like and like an inconvenience that you like, I don't know, like uh, uh, found. And the other person just had to listen for it without saying anything. And I thought that it was really difficult because like I was like wanted to say, oh no, or like just giving like something. And like at the end, we also had to like to repeat to what they said to try to understand if we really perceive the same thing. Because like sometimes like when we communicate, like we perceive different things from what like our interlocutor like wants to say to us. So yes, <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> uh 
So that could maybe be a tip and a trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, like uh, if you're talking about uh, how you realize that uh, you have some kind of biases, uh, I think that uh, you can uh, do it personally. Uh, there are some tests. Uh, there's a very good privilege test by MIT. There's an implicit bias test which you can use. And uh, sometimes it's really good to learn about yourself because you would say that, oh, I'm not biased. I don't judge people by that. And But when you give the test, you realize that, okay but maybe if everything is equal then you might have some preference over the other thing and those are like really and you are really shocked to see when you get such results i think um if we're now we're going now on the subject of bias <laughs> i think everyone has it that's normal it's we are our human brain is wired um in such a way that we tend to classify things um, to make it easier i mean how many impulses do we get every day so it's a bit of a shortcoming of our brain that they actually create these stereotypes. And so everyone has them. And um, so I think Talan, what you're saying is super interesting and it's a valid point just to be aware of them. It's already a good step forward. Would I say be shocked about them? Huh. I think it would be more, um, I think that's something, we always see bias as something really bad but I think it's the behaviors that stem out of them that is more bad than just having a bias. Everyone has them. But as soon as you tend to behave um, according to this bias and actually being feeling attacked when someone's saying to you, actually, I didn't like this, how you were treating me, I think that's um, another point. That's another direction that we're going to. I don't know if you have already seen these kind of uh, we call them in academia it's called microaggressions. Um, these are really subtle behaviors that could signal um, possible discrimination. Could be a bad joke, for instance, um, or it could be someone walking another way because I don't know. You've seen like a dangerous person. I don't know if you've seen these kind of things already in uh, in uh, Catholica. Uh, I, I just have to think of an example where a professor corrected himself um, because it, it was something about gender and it was about uh, male, let's say, engineers and how um, men are better at being engineers. And he paused and then said, not that women can't be engineers. So because um, I, I was already in my head like... Mm. Was he really saying that? <laughs> and he, he corrected it. I do have to add his, it was quite a, a young professor as well. I think um, uh, you see when it when it comes to um, yeah different generations, you would see it. But I don't have an exact example now from Catholica. Yeah, same for me. Like I can like really think about like a moment in Catholica when like this kind of thing happened. Um, I don't know if maybe it didn't happen or just like it happened and I didn't even realize it because that's probably like what's happened. <laughs> like sometimes you don't even realize these things because they are so like little and like you cannot like almost even notice it. So maybe it can also be the case that it happened, but I didn't realize. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I'd say that uh, it's uh, uh, diversity can be like on a lot of bases and sometimes uh, uh, one way to do work is sometimes like really like it's natural to it's very obvious to you that okay yeah this should be done like this and then when you hear people and they are like arguing that i know we should like do it other way and it's like it's so obvious to you that you feel like 
okay, why do I need to explain it twice? I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that feeling I, I, I also do have uh, with what I mentioned earlier with work experience versus no work experience. Um, we have this professor who always says, just be pragmatic about it. And I think this is going to be my new my new life motto. Um, the people who have taken business research methods uh, this semester and probably the semesters before can relate to it. And uh, yeah, so Talon, I definitely have been in the same situation, feeling the same feelings as you described okay uh, I'm just thinking for a second um, you're all being really enriching to my mind <laughs> so actually I'm, I'm just if you have to say to me okay Catholica for me it's a really inclusive and welcoming school what would be your answer to that statement? And maybe also say where you see it as being inclusive and welcoming and where we still see a bit of room for improvement. Uh, I'd say that uh, it is uh, really welcoming when you see the number of nationalities present and that itself is the first indicator or, uh, or like you can say it's a cycle that when you see that, okay, there are a lot of people from different nationalities, then more people come and then more people come, they see, okay, there are more nationalities. Uh, but I would say that uh, Catholica should make some intentional efforts to have a better distribution of those nationalities as well. And uh, maybe like they can start by figuring out that why Catholica is more attractive to certain people than other, and then they can work on that. That's a great point. Um, I, I would agree completely with you that uh, I feel that Catholica is um, welcoming and acknowledging the diversity we have in nationalities. I do think we could do a bit better in uh, with regards to other angles of diversity. So um, for me personally, I'm not really sure that uh, it's uh, it's very a friendly school for people with different abilities. Let's think about someone who's in a wheelchair. And I just went in my head through the different classrooms we have. And I do think it would be quite difficult to find a way around. Um, I think there we can definitely do a, do an effort, uh, both students and the uh, faculty, to be more, more inclusive and then also attract more diverse um, students. Yes, like I would also say that Catholica, like it's uh, an inclusive school. Like I never like felt that I was like excluded in any way. Maybe like sometimes I found like the, a bit of difficulties like talking, like when I had, had to go to the cafeteria, for example. And maybe like sometimes uh, I had to speak Portuguese, but it also, was also like funny for me because like I'm trying to learn it. So <laughs> it's always great like to try. Um, but like apart from that case, like yeah, I think it's really inclusive, and I think I agree to say that maybe like sometimes it has to be distributed better, because like sometimes like also like classes are like a lot of more like females uh, or like a lot more like people from a kind of uh, nationality. But like since now like we we have different time slots, maybe like it would be nicer like to mix uh, better with them, and. Um, and also, like, for example, in the first day when we did the treasury hunt, uh, like uh, the activity, like maybe it also have to be like more think about uh, people from different masters. Like, for example, um, I'm doing the strategic master marketing and but like I was in a group with just like uh, people from finance, for example. So like sometimes like we like have a lot of differences, but like they are not mixed really well. 
So like sometimes I think that maybe a better distribution and also think about people with different disabilities because that's true that I didn't see anybody now. And also I would not know how they could like, for example, do all of those stairs. <laughs> but yes, these kind of things. Okay, thank you all for sharing. And um, before we wrap up, does someone of you want to add something, something that they said, okay, I really would like to discuss this as well, or a question to me could be as well. Um, I'm open to questions, of course. How do you see um, the, the trends developing? I think diversity and inclusion is something that is more and more present, but I sometimes feel that it's a bubble. Like me being part of the Equality in Business Club, it's all around all the time. Um, maybe you sit in the same bubble, but you might have from a from a research perspective a more uh, ob objective look. Do you think um, how yeah how is the trend um, in the educational system? I I see two big trends. Um, um, first of all, what a it's, it's a bit double. For one hand, you see it's more for marketing purposes. That's something that we see, uh, that we're doing things that's more to attract international students. Because to be in, to be a good business school at the moment, you need to be international. You have to have these numbers, otherwise your ranking will be um, affected. And let's be honest, rankings are about what is, how many international students do you have? What is the gender balance? Um, but on the other hand, we're actually seeing some movement slowly and that is starting to realize um, we have a big role as a business school. We have actually the role to create the future leaders of tomorrow and we have actually have to prepare our students for the world where they're going into where you can't be as before. You have to be able to manage diverse teams. You have to be able to listen to diverse opinions and to leverage that. The world is now getting so competitive that if you don't listen to all these different opinions, you, it can actually backfire. I think the last months we have seen all these um, all these examples actually of companies who did something which was not seen as inclusive and it backfired completely. So we you need people that can manage this. And so what we're seeing now in business schools is that they're trying to get some courses to curriculum that changes. But uh, we will see what the effects will be. Talan, I think you want to say something. Uh, yeah, uh, so I wanted to uh, ask you about that. Uh, sometimes solutions to promote diversity are also the problem for certain groups, like uh, if we talk about affirmative action, uh, for example, in India, 60% uh, of college seats, like 55% of college seats are reserved for people who are, are traditionally uh, uh, backward or economically backward. And now this creates a competition for the majority of the group, like 50% of people fighting over 40% of seats and other 40% are having 60% of seats in the college that, uh, kinds of create the pushback and actually in the mind of majority i i know a lot of students uh, who were with me and they do not like they never were like you would say that okay this person is he is a biased person or he's a discriminatory person but when he goes to the college and sees these kind of affirmative actions and he feels that okay he's losing a seat and then you see them actually turning more racist or more discriminatory 
So yes, it's something that unfortunately that we're seeing as well that all the that a lot of these diversity practices, uh, mentorship programs, quotas are actually creating a backlash. So they're actually creating that the majority is becoming more stereotyped. I don't. We actually just have to think around us at the moment. We have soon the elections in the United States where we can really see this. We have this big, big group who is being so conservative, who is going full blown on the most stereotype behaviors. Um, although you have the whole Black Lives Matters movement. So that's a bit of difficulty. Um, and that's what we what I always say. You can't just put a group of people together with are diverse without thinking before how will they manage this how we will manage that is people have different opinions that it will clash because that's what's research shown if you just put people of different backgrounds certainly it will it will clash how do you manage this um and that's a difficult part how do you do this uh, so you have now it's starting now that researchers but also in the business has started okay how do we do this? The same questions that you had. How can we make sure that people do not sit in groups and that we can talk to each other? Which tips and tricks exist? The answer now, I have no clue. Um, I don't have a clue, but a lot of people don't have a clue. So I think it is cool for you actually just to start your own little experiment in the business school to see what's actually working. If I'm going, if we create a space of where we can trust each other, where we can openly speak and actually also say, I feel actually excluded by these programs. I don't feel included. I think that's a, an important voice to be heard and not just to dismiss, oh, you, you are racist or come on, you're not being open. I think that's a valuable voice to be heard as well that someone does not feel included because, let's be honest, because they're white or because they're a man or they're coming from a financial background. Um, I think that's important to hear as well. So maybe we can conclude with a statement that if we want to look at inclusion, um, inclusion it's not only about minorities, but it's also about the majorities. And how do we make sure that these two groups can communicate with each other and trust each other and actually appreciate each other for being who they are. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful closing statement. I enjoyed it so much to speak to you, all of you. Thank you so much for participating. Thank you all as well. And um, feel free to contact me if you want to catch up or have any questions. Uh, this is my little baby. I love to discuss about it. <laughs> and I think only by discussing it, we can actually change the world. <laughs> Hopefully one day. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you're enjoying our content. We would love to hear your feedback. What would you like us to add, to change, or to continue? And if you have specific topics or questions in mind you would like to know more about, we are happy to include this in the next episodes. You will find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And input is highly appreciated. You'll hear from us on our next episode. This time, it will be next week. So on the 6th of November, as this was our special one-year anniversary episode. Until then, stay healthy and safe.